You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. All right. Well, it's good to come together on this Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, if you're new here today, maybe you're just traveling through town, we want to welcome you, as well as those who will be joining us online uh, this morning. And uh, we are continuing in our study of the book of Genesis, and we're in Genesis chapter 2 today. As we, uh, as we think about this text, I, I, I was thinking... Um, about our church family and, and realizing uh, that we have a massive problem. Um, I have it, you have it, everyone outside our church has it. Uh, the massive problem is busyness, right? How many times do you ask somebody how they're doing and they're like, oh, okay, I'm busy, right? And, 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 and sometimes, you know, that can be a good thing, but most times it's not a good thing. We think about um, our way we're living our lives. I wonder how many of us stop and think about whether the way that we're living our life is a good thing. Well, this morning, we're going to have an opportunity to do that. You think about um, technology. It was supposed to be helpful, right? Like, wasn't so many decades ago that were like, you know, by like this time in life, everyone's going to be working like 20 hours a week. And we're going to be super chill and, you know, all kinds of time for recreation. And, like, that's the kinds of things they were saying 40, 50 years ago. Uh, it hasn't turned out that way. I, I, was found, I read a book this last week and found some really interesting stats. Uh, did you know uh, when the light bulb was invented in 1879 that before that time, the average person slept 11 hours a day? Like, that would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? Okay? Uh, the average now is seven. And that, that probably is generous, um, thanks to the coffee bean, right? And, uh, and, and so, so we're sleeping less. We're pushing ourselves more and more. And when I was a kid, guess what? All the stores were closed on Sunday. You didn't have an opportunity to go buy more junk on Sunday, Right? You had, to, you had to come up with something else to do because everything was closed. So you had to maybe go to church, maybe go to spend some time together and hang out and, and stop your regular routine. But that, that's gone uh, in, in every way, right? So this morning, I want us to stop and think about the busyness of our life. Are we... Are we spending our time wisely? We all have the same amount of hours to spend every week, right? What should we do with our busyness? Should we pray that maybe God would stop the sun? You know, he did that one time, all right, uh, for a specific purpose. So I don't think he's going to do that again. And so maybe we should stop and take stock of how we're living and what we could change in our life. Another stat that I seen as I was reading this last week is that the average, I'm trying to remember now if it's 18 or 21 year old, has spent 10,000 hours playing video games by the time they reach 18 or 21. 
like probably could use that time like learning another language, um, memorizing the Bible, right? Like, I mean, there, what you could do with 10,000 hours. And so I think we all have enough time. It's just how are we using our time? And so this morning, as we think about the fact that God rested, as we think about the fact that God has given us a pattern to live by, I want us to evaluate our lives. Like you thought last week was convicting, okay? This week, I, I mean, I, all week I've been like, oh, wow, okay. Heather and I need to definitely have some talks about how we're going to start living differently, right? So starts here, right? But the word is our authority. And so let's, with anticipation, go to him in prayer, go to the Lord in prayer, and then let's study together. Lord God, we're thankful for this time together this morning. God, thank you for this day that, Lord, you initiated to, to come and to gather together to worship you, God. We, as your children, those who know Christ, gather this day because this is the day that you rose again. We remember that this morning. We celebrate that together this morning. Because Christ has risen, we have hope today. And we have hope for all of eternity. And God, as we think about the way that we're living our lives right now, and if we're being honest, we've been caught up with our culture where we as Christians don't look a whole lot different than those who are not Christians. And, and so God, we pray that you'd help us. God, would you help us to live life the way that you intend? Would you help us to, to stop, to rest, to worship in a way that would bring you honor and glory. God, as we study the text this morning, we pray that you would lead this preacher, help him to speak your words and not his own, for your glory and for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, all right, so we all need a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and slip up your hand. And uh, we want to look at Genesis chapter 2. And maybe you forgot your Bible on the way up. That's totally fine. Maybe you don't have a Bible. Just keep the Bible that they're going to give to you. But let's turn together. Genesis 2. And we're only going to study three verses, but there's a whole lot here for us to think about this morning. Genesis 2 verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all, the work, from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. As we think about the seventh day, and as we reflect on the fact of the first six days, everything that God has done is good. As we've been talking about the fact that these are foundations. All that God provided on this earth, whether it be food or, or life, it, it's, it is all very good as we've seen last week. The relationships he's given with male and female, it is all very good. And when we think about this last day, the seventh day, the way that he set it apart from all other days, it also is very good. And we need to be convinced of that this morning. I think, as I've already prayed this morning, I think that we've been influenced greatly by our culture. And we, we, when we talk about busyness, we don't see it as a negative. We see it as a positive. But I think we've missed God's point 
when it comes to his design for life. So as we think about this, God's design for life, first of all, he seeks worship, not worry. He seeks worship, not worry. Let's look again at verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. He, God, it, we're told, took six days to create the earth, and then at, at, after that, he was done. It was finished. The heavens and the earth, again, as we think about the, the forming, the first three days, they are complete, and then it says all the host of them, that's the filling. That's whether the stars or, or, the, or, or the animals on the earth, it's, it's really, ultimately, it's all that filled the earth. It was done. It was finished. Can you imagine having a week where you felt like that? You got, you know, how many people like doing like the check marks? You know, here's my to-do list. And you do your, like, like there's, there's a feeling of gratification if you get all the checks done, right? Well, for the Lord, when he reached the seventh day, it's done. It's finished. There is no more to do. It's perfect. And so we're told that he, he, had, he had done it all. And then on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. What do you think he wants you to understand based on verse 2? He rested, right? Like there's repeated almost exactly the same two times to get reinforced the point. And we've been kind of having this flow on day one. There was morning, there was evening. God said, and there was. And now it's like everything shifts. And he wants you to see that this day is very different. It's set apart from all the other days. It's a little confusing the way it's worded here. On the seventh day, God finished his work. It almost sounds like, was he still doing something? Was he on the seventh day he was finishing the work? Really probably better translated for our English minds to get our heads wrapped around. By the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. The point is, he's done. This word for rested could also be ceased. He ceased from all the work that he had done. Again, there's this idea that, that, that it's all complete. The word here for work, it, it's the word for skilled labor, work that is performed by a craftsman or an artisan. Such is the measure of the finesse and professional skills of God's work. Again, it's just highlighting it was really, really good. And there's no more need for God to do anything. All he has done now since that day is sustain, right? No new creating. Just sustaining and blessing because of the way that he ordered it, the way that he placed it all together. There's no need for a reno, Right? So thankful for the God's great work. And so, what, what does this tell us about the way that we're to live? Well, I think it's helpful, again, for us to just take a step back and say, okay, when, when was this written and who was it written to? Written in the wilderness to the people of Israel. So they're getting this for the first time. And now let's remember what happened while they're in the wilderness, they got the growlies, and they're like, you know what? Lord, we trust you. We're not going to complain. Okay, no, that's not what happened, right? They, they complain, they complain. But God is gracious and merciful, and he gives them what? Manna, right? So we got some kiddos in here. I'm going to try to kind of keep you guys involved in here. Manna is what? 
It's like, it's like bread, right? Bread from the sky, kind of. Not like the bread, like loaves of bread on the ground, but it was like this, this wafer kind of material that, that would just be on the ground in the morning, right? And they were told what? Go and gather enough for the day. You gather too much, what happens to it? It stinks the next day, okay? It's gross, okay? So you just get enough for the day, and you do that for six days. But what are you to do on the seventh day? You're not to gather on the seventh day, so on the sixth day, you gather twice as much. Did it turn stinky on the seventh day? No, right? So before the Ten Commandments, where we have the fourth commandment, which says to rest, they are already being given a pattern. This is what you're to do. You're to work for six days, and on the seventh day, you're to rest. Matthew says this, Sabbath existed before man observed it and continues whether or not God's creatures acknowledge it. Israel's Sabbath, like God's Sabbath rest, was sanctified and set apart as a special day of worship and celebration. What, what, is that, what was that teaching the people of Israel? Who ultimately is responsible for helping them have food every day? It's God. And when God says, work for six and take a day off, do you think that little life lesson in the wilderness would have maybe helped them to remember that? Right? We work for six, we take one day off. So when again it comes to the Ten Commandments, and as we've been going through this series, I, hopefully you're seeing it, like there's a lot of things that we're tracing through the scriptures, so really good to write these verses down and, and, think, and read them again for yourself later. But Exodus 20 8 through 11. This is one of the Ten Commandments. This is number four. And he says this in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I love that word remember. Because it's almost like you and I could easily forget the importance of Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Why? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He set apart that day. And so just as God has set the pattern, we as creation are to follow that pattern. The people of, uh, of Israel were to follow the pattern of their creator. Later, Isaiah 31, after the creation of the tabernacle, Isaiah 31, 13 and 14, he says this, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Was this kind of like, you know what, God, you should, you should really think about taking the day off. Or was this like, do this or be put to death? That's what it just said. It raises the stakes a little bit, right? Rather than like this self-help kind of. But this was the covenant that God had with his people. And he said, listen, you must do this. 
Why must they do that? Because it is he who sanctifies them. He is the one who has set them apart. It is he who is their God. They are not in charge. He is in charge. And they should take a day to remember him. Matthews puts it like this. The creator who sanctified the seventh day because of rest is the covenant Lord who sanctifies his people and tabernacles among them. Again, remember, think about the the fact that the tabernacle, holy of holies, presence of God. Garden of Eden, presence of God. To come into his presence was rest, was to worship. He says this, worship then is related to the created order itself which existed before the formation of Israel and its sanctuary at Sinai. Worship is for all humanity, all those created in the image of God. The observance of Israel's sacred custom of weekly and annual Sabbaths was an expression of an attestation of, to God's presence as their creator, covenant, Lord. It's to stop what you're doing and to come into his presence and to recognize all that he has done, and to worship him. As, as the people of, of, of Israel, it was to say, we are his. He is the one who has set us apart from all other people. And we will be a witness to all other nations by setting this day aside. As so we again, we think about back to the Garden of Eden, pre-sin. They had the joy of entering into the presence of God. As we think about the seventh day, guess what? That was humanity's first day. And on that day, God says, enjoy me. Worship me. That's, your, that's what you're called to do on this day. We find our rest in God and God alone. We're going to see this as we go through this morning. God knows that we need a day to focus our hearts. Anybody doubt that here this morning? Like just don't gather together with God's people for a couple weeks and see where your soul is. See how you're doing. Augustine says this, thou has made us for thyself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Until we find our rest in God, our hearts are restless. And even as the people of God, when we don't take time to worship him, we get get caught up in life. And guess what? It leads to what? Worry. And we worry and we worry instead of worship. That's That's the opposite. And so we are to look to the Lord and, and do what he says. To look to his example. Work six days, take one day off. Boyce puts it like this. This is the destiny of those who are his people, to rest as he rests, to rest in him. The seventh day was was the day, as I mentioned, the first day where they came to, they were in the garden to to worship him. In the New Testament, what do do we see about the Sabbath? I'm going to kind of be jumping back and forth as we go through these points, but we see that Sabbath, Saturday, worshiping on Saturday, was replaced by what? The Lord's Day, right? Because Christ worshiped on, or sorry, because Christ rose again on the Sunday, which, by the way, Sabbath was what? Saturday. 
Okay, so there's, there was a new pattern, but what did they still do? They still came together to pray, to worship, to read the word of God, to fellowship together. There was this pattern that was, it was no longer on the Saturday, but now it's on the Sunday. A day when they oriented all their worship to God. And I think this is a pattern that it ought to be for you and I even today. So as you think about this, as you think about this day set apart to worship, do you have that in your life right now? Do you, do you have a weekly routine where you, you're setting one day apart for worship? That's what that day is for. You, you, you come, now, I mean, you're like, well, I'm here, aren't I? Pastor? Okay, well, great. Hour and a half. I'm talking a day. Do you have, if this is your day, now, look, I get it. In our world, we have people working the 10 and 4 and the, you know, whatever, shift work, whatever. But do you have the day? So I'm assuming most of you, increasingly less, but most have a, I work five days, I get two days off. Sunday should be your day. It's the easiest way to do it. But maybe you have shift work. Do you still then have a day where it's just about worship? Now, as we think about that, that could be studying the Word of God. That could be prayer. That could be eating a good steak and saying, God, you are good. Thank you, Lord. It could be going for a walk and, and looking at God's beauty and just worshiping him and recognizing that all that's here is his. Just slowing down your life and being mindful of the fact that everything that we have is from him. Do you have a day like that in your life right now? Paul Tripp says this, Every created thing was made to be a finger pointing to the glory of its designer and creator. Every created thing is pointing to him. And so it's just taking that day where you're just being mindful of him wherever you go, slowing life down. If you were to do that, it would change the rest of your week as well. If you took that day, it doesn't mean like, okay, well, six days, the other six days we don't worship. But that day, setting apart, would then set the pattern for the rest of your week that you would find those moments in the midst of your busyness, in the midst of your going and coming and going to continue to worship. But do you have a day where, where, where you're just saying, Lord, you're awesome. And, and I don't need to keep running and running and running because, Lord, you, you've provided more than enough for me. We think about our compulsion to work 24-7. What is that saying about us? What is that that saying about who we're ultimately trusting? If I think I have to go seven days a week, then ultimately I'm saying, God, you don't have a good plan. God, I know most people could do that, but I can't. I, I have to keep going. What about 
those of us who are somewhat taking this day off and using it as a day of worship. How much from like Monday through Saturday, if we're just saying Sunday's the day, Monday through Saturday, are you anticipating Sunday? Or are you just kind of like collapsing across the finish line when it comes to Sunday, right? Like probably everyone was in bed last night by 10 o'clock and you're just like, okay, cannot wait till tomorrow. It's a day set aside to worship the Lord. This is what my whole week has been leading up to. I cannot wait to worship him. This is what my life is for. This is what my life is all about. And I'm going to take this one day and just be especially focused upon him. Or is it like, yeah, you know, we're binging on Netflix. We, it was about 1.30. We got to bed. But, you know, we're here. I, I, I drank, bought a pot of coffee, and um, I'm here. And, tomorrow, you know, after church, we're going to, you know, we got to got to do some shopping, got to, you know, and, and, you know, there's a bunch of stuff around the house I got to fix up, and I, like, where's the time where we're just like, no, I'm just going to worship him? I like the way Comer puts it like this. He says this, think of how we observe a holiday like Easter or Christmas. We gear up for it, plan out the day in advance, do all we can to make it special, approach it with anticipation. The Sabbath is like that, a holiday every week, but without all the stress and family drama, right? A -a once-a-week celebration of all that is good in God's world, right? Like planning a day where you're like, we're going to have a nap because rest is good. We're going to go play together. And be so thankful that God has given us a family. We're, we're, we're just going to celebrate him in all that we do today. And if it's not worship, guess what? We have six other days to do that. We, we, can, do, we can do that item there. Comer, or sorry, Walkie says this, A person who feels inclined to work seven days a week should examine what God he or she worships. God is that to which your heart clings and entrusts itself. Those who find their security and significance in mammon or professionalism find community worship on the first day of the week a burden. Uh, I guess we should probably go to church. Instead of like anticipating it and excited about it. May the Lord help us to examine our hearts of what or who we truly are worshiping each week by the way that we set our priorities. So, worship, not worry. Secondly, God's design for life, he established his holiness, not hurry. It says, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Again, we think about this word blessing, and we think about the context. Every time blessing is mentioned in chapter 1, it is life-giving. The blessing on the animals was so that they might continue to produce life. The blessing on humanity was so that they might continue to produce life. This day is set apart, I believe, in the same way, so that it might produce life in us. I was trying to remember, I think it was France a long time ago. They decided to go to a 10-day work week. How did that go for them? Not well, right? 
People were burning out. People were suicidal. And, and in fact, production went down. Didn't, didn't go better for them. It, it went down. We need a day set apart from the rest. We need a day where we are given life and refreshment and rejuvenation. I like what Walkie says here. Other creator gods built temples as a sign of their victory over the wild forces of chaos. But God institutes the Sabbath rest instead. This will be the temporal shrine in which the people of Israel can rest from their labors each week with their God. Not not in in a building, but in a day where we just come before him and worship him. As you trace throughout the Old Testament, the idea of the, this day being holy is seen over and over again. Exodus 31, 15, six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of solemn rest, rest holy to the Lord. Again, think about the word holy. It is to be set apart, is to be like God. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. A day set apart for the Lord. Again, so serious is the command that it's repeated again in Exodus 35 too. If you do not do this, you will be put to death. Isaiah, speaking about the Sabbath day, calls it my holy day. This is speaking of the Lord. Nehemiah, also referring to the Lord, says your holy Sabbath. It is to be a day treated differently from all other days. This is the point. This is why it's called holy. It was a sign of the covenant that the Lord had made with his people for Israel. Yet another good provision that God has given us. We recognized a couple weeks ago the the food that God has given us. We recognized last week the, the relationships that God has given us that is good. This is another good gift from God. We see this in the context of Nehemiah chapter 9. I want, I want to just read this. Read Nehemiah 9, 13 to 15. Thinking about the goodness of the ways of the Lord. Nehemiah nine thirteen. it says, You came down on Mount, Mount Sinai. This is obviously speaking of the Lord. And spoke with them from heaven and gave them, now listen, right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. And you made them... And you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them commandments and statutes and a law by Moses, your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought the water from them out of the rock for their thirst. And you told them to go in to possess the land that you had sworn to give them. In other words, everything that God has given us is good. It is helpful, including the Sabbath. It is good for our souls. What did Jesus say about the Sabbath? We've already heard that this morning. Mark 2, 27. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. Now what had the Sabbath become by the time the Pharisees were were running things? Slavery, right? Chains. Oh, did you walk more than a step? Did you do this? Did you do that? And, and, it, and like to try to, to do what they were, were putting on a person was not life-giving, right? And Jesus says, guess what? I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And oh, by the way, I'm the one who instituted it, and it's for man. It's for their good. It's for their betterment. 
That's why the Sabbath was here, to give them rest, to have a day set apart for worship. And of course, the Pharisees had made it something totally different. Now, I've said holiness, not hurry. Again, I'm saying this as an application point. A day set apart instead of rushing, rushing, rushing in your life. How are you fighting busyness in your life right now? How many times are you just being still each day? Just to kind of slow things down and then taking a full day to just like we're resting. Like I'm old enough to remember if, you know, there was these things called banks. You would go in them, all right? And, and, and you'd get there and guess what? There would be a line. And then you had to do this. There was no this. Do, do, you, do you know 77% of the people, when, when, when quizzed, said the first thing they do when they have a moment is reach for their phone? There's one more text. Just one more email. I should check on this. I should check on that. Or I'm going to play a game or whatever while I stand in line. But like busy, busy, busy. No time to stop. When are we stopping? In our life, when are we when are we being still before God? Have we thought about how all this busyness is impacting our souls? Is it is it a positive thing? This continual twenty four seven noise in our lives. I think most people would say they're more and more tired, more and more worn out. If you're an anxiety drug producer, you're making a lot of money these days. Because we got to keep going. We got we to we keep up with the Joneses. We got to keep going. So I, I, my body can't handle it. And so I guess I'll just take this pill. I guess it's two glasses of wine at night to kind of chill me out. I, I guess, you know, marijuana doesn't seem like such a big deal. Like maybe I should do, maybe that would help me not be so stressed out. Well, the solution should be, I just need to stop running. I just need to slow down. Who, who says we have to live this way? Swoboda says this, cultural, cultural convenient, conveniently, culture conveniently provides every good and service we want. What we want, how we want, our time-saving devices, technological conveniences and cheap mobility have seemingly made life much easier and more interconnected. As a result, we have more information at our fingertips than anyone in history. Yet, with all this progress, we are ominously dissatisfied. In bowing at these sacred altars of hyperactivity, progress, and technological impulsivity, our souls increasingly pant for meaning, for value, and truth as they wither away exhausted, frazzled, displeased, even on edge. We have the inability to simply sit still and be. A recent stat says that our intention span now for the average person is eight seconds. A goldfish has nine seconds. 
I mean, how, like, what's happening to us? Any of you guys watch that show alone? Anyone see that? You know, it's like you go out in the wilderness and you survive, you know? So, so I finally got through the first season of that. And what I found really fascinating about that show is that, so they're, they're by themselves. Like, there's nothing but them and the, some cameras, okay? And they got to survive. And if you, you know, if you, if you last the longest, you win the money. And, and, but what's fascinating is what they say about the time just by themselves and how it makes them think. And some of them don't like it. They're like, I, don't, I had a lot of time to think about who I am and I don't like who I am. But we don't do that, do we? We try to just keep the noise going and we don't consider where our lives are going. We, we, we don't think about who we are before the Lord. We, we just keep, keep it busy, 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 busy. And, and, I'm, and I'm saying the Lord doesn't want that for us. He wants us to, to come before him and, and to be still. What would happen to our souls if we took this seriously, of taking a day and just worshiping and resting? Just every week. That's the focus. What would, what would change in our lives? What, how, how would that impact our Monday through Saturday if this is what we were doing? If we were refreshed and rejuvenated as we went into that new week, anticipating what our Lord wanted us to do. We need to think about what we believe about life. We need to think about whether we really believe that it is a good thing that God said, work six, take one off. Some of us here believe that that's, that's not a good idea. Some of us think that, that it's actually counterproductive. We, we're not convinced that we would be just as successful if we did that than if we worked seven days. We think that, that we need to work the seven. Do you know who is the greatest rebuke of that in North America right now? God's chicken. Chick-fil-A. Right? Like, it's fascinating. We think about Chick-fil-A. While, while the food market over the last 10 years was growing by about 3%, they were growing at 15%. They, let me just give you a few stats for them. In, in, in 2020, they generated $12. billion in sales, just behind Starbucks and McDonald's. So they're, they're the number three in the United States right now. They, they, their annual store has $4.58 million in sales. It generates more money than any other store that's there. And guess what? They're closed on Sunday. They're closed on Sunday, which, much to my chagrin, when I've been visiting, I don't know how many times I've pulled into a Chick-fil-A and I'm like, oh no, it's Sunday. <laughs> but then I'm like, but that's cool. Right? Like, it's, you know, I want my chicken, but, but it's actually really good. They, 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 uh, this, this article I was reading, they, they give up a billion dollars in sales a year, is estimated, by being closed on a Sunday. But are they? That's the question. Are they really giving up that? 
Or is it because their employees are pretty pumped and they have a guaranteed day off every week that they're, they have more energy to be super happy when they, you know, so it's a really good customer service at Chick-fil-A's. Like, like I think it's really fascinating. It, it's so counterproductive to culture. And it's a, it's a bit of a rebuke to you and I who think that we have to work 24-7. Gradenis says this, God provides so richly for us so that we can rest one day in seven. We can rest from our work. We can gather with God's people to worship God and reflect on the meaning and direction of our life. We can take delight in God's good creation as well as the work of our hands. We can enjoy family and friends. God created everything good. That is the gospel message, the joyful tiding of Genesis 1 and 2. That we can, we can rest in him. What we think we need, we probably don't need. We think we need more stuff. We think we, 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 gotta, we gotta just keep going, going, going so that, so that when we get to that point, then we can truly rest and then we can truly, who, who's truly resting in our society? When you think about our culture and the way it's built, maybe we should be countercultural and instead of asking for more things, just praise God for the things we got. Let's have holiness, not hurry. Last thing, God's design for life, he gives rest, not restlessness. He gives rest, not restlessness. Let's read that verse three one more time. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Rest is such an important part of what God has for us on this day. Because God rested, he wants his people to rest. Anybody think that God needed to rest? He was just like, whew. I just, I, you know, I got to, like he didn't, he didn't need to do that. But he was modeling it for us so that we would understand we need to rest. We are creation. He is the creator. That's one of the key things. When I stop and give acknowledgement to the fact that he is God and I'm not, that I need to rest, he does not. That's the perspective I need to have. So as you think about this day, you think about rest, which is mentioned over and over again for emphasis. When you think about that day you're setting aside, those are the two categories. You're continually putting everything through. Is this worshipful? Is this restful? If it doesn't check the mark on either of those categories, then move it to one of the other six days. Isn't that, isn't that kind of like, feel like weight coming off your shoulders when you think about that? How many of you are kind of like, that sounds really good. I think that might be really good for my soul. Like I... I might not be so angry all the time if I did this. <laughs> not so frazzled. It's because it's good, God's good plan. I, wa- I want us, as we close here this morning, I want us to think about, okay, so there's that Genesis 3 thing again. Sin came. 
So how does that impact rest? Is there, is there a thread throughout the Bible talking about rest? Guess what? Yes, there is. Now, right as we, as we, as we, as we think about this, this, this day, note there was no morning and there was no evening. There's the indication here, this is to be seen as eternal. The, 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 the rest would go on and on. It's not just for now, it's, it's to go on forever. Matthews puts it like this, whereas the human work week reoccurs after each Sabbath, the Sabbath rest of God is eternal. Why? Since creation is finished. It's done. That work for God is done. So as you trace through the Bible, Genesis 2, rest, we don't see any more talk about rest, not until Exodus 16, where, where he's saying, work six, take one day off. Why? Genesis 3, sin came into this world. And when there's sin, there is no rest. The people of Israel were to receive rest when they got to the promised land. This was what God had for his people. This is him setting, them, setting uh, his people aside. He, he taught them about rest, taking Sabbaths while they're in the wilderness. And he promises that they, when they go to the land, they will get rest. Exodus thirty three fourteen. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Notice how presence and the presence of God goes together with rest. If you cannot come into the presence of God, there is no rest. If you have sin in your life, then there is no rest. If we're, if we're in our wickedness, then there is no rest. We need God to have rest. And so he promised that I will go with you, and when you get to the land, you will have rest. The people he gave this command to, guess what? They never entered into that rest. Why? Because of their rebellion, because of their sin. So that entire generation, other than Joshua and Caleb, didn't get to go into the promised land. They never got to have rest because of their sin, because of their disbelief. But then they went into the land, and we find in Joshua that they did receive rest while they were there. They, they, had, they celebrated Sabbaths. They celebrated jubilees every 50 years. You're to have this rest. But what happened? Sin happened to Israel. And so they did not continue to be there to have God's rest. But Jesus has come. And he said that the, the Sabbath is a good thing. But then listen to what he tells us in Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This rest is offered to all. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. When you think about our society, what a message to give them. Are you tired of the rat race? Are you tired of your burdens? Are you tired of, of trying to find substitutes to, to find rest for your soul? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. If you come to him, you will find rest. 
when you, when you lay down your burdens before him and, and, and take his yoke and, and learn of his ways, then you will truly find rest for your soul. You will have the, the slavery of wickedness and, and, and sin broken in your life. Again, we think about what Augustine said, that, that our souls are continually rest, restless until we find our rest in him. Isaiah put it like this, Isaiah fifty-seven twenty: The wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet. And its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. When we're apart from God, when we, when we, when we do not have access to his presence, to his holiness, then we are continually in turmoil. And this is the picture we see in our society today. And Jesus says, come unto me. Our hearts will continually be restless until they find their rest in the Lord Jesus. In Jesus alone will we find holiness and rest you think about our society, people spelling, spending billions and billions of dollars to try, try to find rest, right? Like, like, buy this product. It will make your soul complete, right? I mean, it's not every, every advertising out there. If you just buy this thing, then somehow you're going to find what you were looking for. Go to this meditation or yoga or whatever like like somehow we can quiet the noise we we want to like and think about i think again just this relentless pursuit of trying to find peace and it can only be found in him hebrews 4 why don't we turn there as we close this morning hebrews 4 says in verse 1, Hebrews 4, 1, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest." Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would, have spoken of another day, would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. What this passage is saying, listen, there's an opportunity to enter into rest, but it comes through Jesus Christ and do not let that day pass before you. 
And that would be my plea here this morning. If you have never placed your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, that you today would enter that rest that you can only have in him. We find rest in him because he takes our burdens of our sins, our wickedness, our unjust, our our, our injustice, and he pays the penalty for our sins, gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can now enter into the Holy of Holies, into his presence, and lay our burdens before him. We have that privilege as the people of God to do that every day. But if you are not in Christ here this morning, then you will never have rest until you find your rest in him. Lay down your pride. Stop thinking that Christianity is only for the weak. You are weak. And find your rest in him. So you think about this passage, there's that already not yet. For those of us in Christ, we get to experience that joy of just being still before him and knowing that he is God, bringing our burdens before him, recognizing that he, his sovereignty, his control every day. But we don't have complete rest yet, do we? We don't have full rest yet, do we? But as we celebrate every Sabbath, every Lord's Day, we anticipate that day when we will be with him in his presence forevermore, where there will be no more sin, no more burdens, no more, no more running to and fro every day, no more sin-cursed world, but just in his presence. That day is coming. And so as we Sabbath before him, as we celebrate the Lord's Day with him, we anticipate that day. Wilson says this, when we keep Sabbath by resting from our labors, we acknowledge that our life is sustained by God. We rest from our labors because we know that our hope is in the Lord, not in our labors. Sabbath also reflects our larger hope in the Lord for the sustenance of creation and for the completion of redemption. The day is coming when it will all be complete. Rest in worship. Another, another author has called it dwelling and delighting in God. We all need a day like that every week. If your job makes you work on a Sunday, then you find another day that week. If you have shift work and it's continually shifting around, get out the calendar, plan the day, anticipate the day. Get excited about that day. For it is good and is what the Lord has given us. It is God's good design for life. He seeks worship, not worry. He establishes holiness, not hurry. He gives rest, not restlessness. And he is good. Let's pray. Lord God, we're so thankful for your good plan. And Lord, we thank you that we can find rest in Jesus Christ this morning. Lord, if we're being honest, this morning our souls are frazzled. We have not obeyed. Lord, we think about 
this offer of life that you give us, God, we pray that we would be quick to repent. That, God, we would agree with you that your ways are good. That, God, you would give us the courage, the faith to walk in your ways. God, help us to be a people set apart from our culture. Just as Israel was set apart from their culture, help us as your people to be set apart. God, I would pray not just for a moment of feeling guilty this morning, but I I would pray for life change. That together, as the people of God, we would encourage and strengthen one another. That we would would, would get together on on this day, this day when we would worship and rest in you when we would worship together and give thanks for all that you've given us. God, you are good and you are faithful. And Lord, I would pray this morning if there's anyone here who's not placed their hope and trust in you, God, would you help them to see that you are good, that you've made a way that they might be right with you, that they can now come into your presence and find rest because of what Christ has done. Lord, whatever is stopping them from doing that today. Lord, would you just remove it? And would they humble themselves before you, repent of their sin and place their trust in you? God, we're praying that for even today. It's your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.